0: Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello everyone and welcome to this week's edition of the Spanish Football Podcast. I'm Phil Kitramelidi. Sid Lowe joins me as ever. Hello, Sydney. Hello,
1: Phil. How are you?
0: That was a very bright and exuberant hello Phil um I'm all right talking to you is the best thing that's happened to me all day Philip Mate, you are the wind beneath my wings Sydney you know that nine years doing this podcast and you still amaze me
1: (laughs) yeah that's not always a good thing is it
0: (laughs) usually it is occasionally it's not um if you haven't already guys I just want to let you know why don't you join us at patreon.com forward slash TSFP. We're going to have a Q&A pod out on Tuesday answering your questions. We're going to have a bonus pod on Thursday talking about this week's Champions League games. And last week we released the second episode of TSFP Presents Top Fives, where we picked our five favourite Spanish football comebacks. All that plus Al's paper reviews and access to the TSFP Discord. It's around four euros or dollars or pounds a month it's good value. Come and join us. Um, we enjoy producing the extra content. Hopefully you guys enjoy consuming it. Uh, now we're going to talk about what happened on Match Day 8. Uh, these are the results. On Friday, uh, Valencia produced a, a really quite strong performance to win 2-1 at El Sadar against uh, Osasuna. And then on sund- and then on Saturday, Almeria, who had lost four consecutive games without scoring a goal, beat Rayo Vallecano 3-1. Um, they were 3-0 up at half-time. Rayo were really, really, really very poor and deserved to lose. So Almeria getting a much-needed win. Uh, Atletico Madrid beating Girona by two goals to one. Both goals scored by Ángel Correa. It was a lot tougher than it probably should have been for Atletico Madrid, who were kind of hanging on by the end. Uh, Sevilla won, Athletic Club won. It was the first game back in charge for Jorge Sampaoli of Sevilla. And it started absolutely brilliantly with an early goal from Oliver Torres. And then they ran out of steam and Athletic scored and were dominating and they really could have won as well. The final game on Saturday saw Real Madrid beat Getafe by a goal to nil. It's the first clean sheet of the season for Real Madrid. So good news there, although it's not a game that will live long in the memory. Eda Militao scoring the only goal. And that's it. Uh, We will talk a little bit more about it, though, in just a second. Uh, Sunday saw Valladolid and Betis play out a a nil-nil draw, but it's probably a better result for Betis than it was for Valladolid, given that Valladolid played 65 minutes with a man extra, Germán Petzela getting himself sent off in the first half, but Betis still managing to pick up a point. Cadiz 2, Espanol 2. Last weekend, Espanol goalkeeper Álvaro Fernández threw in an absolute howler to concede in injury time. He was dropped... Benjamin Leconte came back in goal and produced possibly an even worse mistake for a, for a Cadiz goal. Anyway, it finished 2-2 uh, for Cadiz, but Espanol have got serious problems uh, in goal. Both of their keepers aren't very good at the moment. Uh, La Real beat Villarreal by a goal to nil. Really good performance from the Churi Urdine and strangely flat from Villarreal. Uh, La Real uh, level on points with fourth place uh, Atletico Madrid. Villarreal one win in six, no wins in four in La Liga. And we're beginning to see shades of what we saw last season from Unai Emery's men. Then the final game of the uh, weekend, or well, the final game on Sunday, saw Barcelona beat Celta Vigo by a goal to nil. Not entirely sure how, because Celta should have scored two... Or three, or maybe even four, if you listen to Barry, who was convinced they should have even won the game. But Barca managed to grind out that victory thanks to that first half goal from Pedri. Monday Night Football is Elche against Mallorca. Get your Platinum Plus cards out, dear listeners, because it is a Platinum Plus Spanish football game. Right, let's start with that um, Barcelona 1, Celta nil result. Barcelona... They were hanging on. They were literally at home, hanging on to this result against Celta after a good opening 30 minutes. But it was not a good second half performance at all, Sydney.
1: No. It, <laughs> I mean, it really wasn't. There, there's, there's, there's not a huge amount to add to that from a Barcelona perspective, it, except I suppose to say that they lost control of the game. Uh, and, and the thing that probably stood them... Uh, stood out in the first half was how well Pedri and Gavi played and they they lost control of the game I thought in the second half they I mean they were in a difficult position Barcelona I suppose in terms of the number of injuries this is a team that starts the game with three left backs on the pitch all in different positions they weren't all playing at left back although I do quite like the idea of going we've got three left backs tell you what we'll put them all there Um, and and they didn't control the game at all Celta were coming through them um, regularly and I really like the way I mean, you've mentioned it there that, that Yago Aspas dealt with this because post-game you had the touchline reporter the, the you know the pitch side interview immediately post-match and the pitch side interviewer started by saying you know because of course they've been looking for the equaliser and um, started by saying you know you must feel like essentially by saying you must feel like you should have got the equaliser and you could see Barry's face As he's thinking to himself, do I challenge the very premise of this question? And he decides he will. And he said, well, to be honest with you, equaliser falls short as far as I'm concerned. We had four, five, maybe six uh, really good chances. And he's absolutely right. They did. Um, mm. it's true that a couple of them have been pulled back anyway because of offsides. So I think if you look at the stats, maybe you should say, well, that one was offside anyway. But they, they cut through Barcelona. They missed good chances. They encountered a couple of brilliant saves from Ter Stegen. Here's a stat, by the way, that I saw last night. Mm. Ter, Ter Stegen has saved 19, as we all know, I suppose, because he's only let one in, of the 20 shots he's faced this season on target. 19 of 20 It's extraordinary Now obviously not all of those have been brilliant saves Some of those are easy catches and all the rest of it But they, a lot of them have been A lot of them have been Yeah, yeah. Um, they were, And, and you, I must admit That does make you think That maybe this regresses to mean at some point and, and Barcelona stop getting through these games Because the last three weeks have been Really quite Quite stodgy from them haven't they
0: Yeah I mean maybe we're getting carried away I don't know I mean they weren't great against Mallorca And they weren't great against Inter Milan But yeah. you know I, I, I mean, maybe they've won six consecutive. games. Absolutely, and the either.
1: results are still very good. And the fact sorry, that seven, seven consecutive
0: yeah. games, six consecutive uh, clean sheets,
1: and the very fact that you know they've they've basically only conceded one goal all season. Obviously, is really, really significant. I suppose it's natural that they
0: should. With significant. Well, that's exactly what I was about well. to say. Yeah,
1: it's na- natural that they <laughs> should struggle. Given as I say, they had to play three left backs because it's about the only way of kind of getting getting the structure the way that they wanted it to with the with the absentees. Um, PK played, and obviously that wasn't originally part of the plan. You wouldn't really want Marcos Alonso as a central defender, but that's kind of what they had to do.
0: Um, <laughs> he admitted afterwards he'd never played. Yeah, there.
1: yeah. I mean, I, th- I think <laughs> he may have played on the left side of a three before. He has, has he? Right, never but admit, never as yeah, one yeah. of a two. Not, never, yeah. never as one of the two central defenders. No. And, and you know, Barcelona in that. Sense, I suppose are, you know, it, this is still a great result, and Chavi described it as a, as a golden result. But he also said something which I think is quite true. He said three weeks ago we were flying, and now we're not, and that mm. is that is a reality.
0: Mm. It is, but they're still getting results, yes. even though they're not flying, which is the positive for uh, at Barcelona. Robert Lewandowski didn't score, and didn't do they much, managed to either win. Did he? It was the first time that he didn't score yeah. and they managed to win. Yeah. So I guess uh, I guess that's a positive as well. But yeah, I put a tweet out last night saying if they play like this in the second half against Inter Milan, they're going out of the Champions they League. Absolutely are. They absolutely are. It is are. such a big game on Wednesday. It is the biggest game of the season by far. And if they go out, it is catastrophic. Yes. I don't want to... Overstate this, but it is so so bad on so so many levels for Barcelona. They absolutely must win on Wednesday night. And I think, shall we give them the benefit of the doubt that maybe their minds had started to wander there in the second half? Possibly, possibly. Possibly. I
1: mean, there's it would be natural, I think, up to a point. Um, and, Mm. and and I think it would be understandable. And I think physically as well, it would also be natural for there to be a climb down. And I also thought, and you know, this is the important thing that often gets overlooked, I, I, I would like to think not by us because our focus is, is different. But you also have to look at it from the, from the point of view of the Celta performance, which I thought was very good indeed. Um, mm. I thought they moved the ball very well. I thought they were quick. I thought they were very incisive. Um, and, and, and they have Barry, who was all over mm. the place. Uh, I thought Barry mm. had, a, although, although he didn't score in the end, and actually had one really good chance that you would normally expect him to score, although the ball's slightly behind him when he takes that mm-hmm. shot and, and Ter Stegen makes a brilliant save as well. Um, but I thought Barry was very, very good.
0: Certainly was. Okay, so Barcelona getting that win, getting another clean sheet and going top of the table. They're ahead of Real Madrid on goal difference, heading into the Clasico uh, next weekend. But before that, as we said, they have that enormously big game against Inter Milan at the Camp Nou. Camp Nou is sold out, by the way for that game. And there were 81,525 in there to see them play Celta uh, on a Sunday night. The fans are really backing this team. They've got to deliver now uh, out on the pitch. Uh, let's talk about Real Madrid and that 1-0 win at Getafe. You were there, Sydney. Lucky you. <laughs> um, shall I tell you, shall I tell
1: you um, the, the extent of my post-match contribution on the TV? So, And this is partly, obviously, as as you know, Dan Thomas is the presenter and and, and Dan quite likes to to wind me up. So we, we do the post-game interviews with the players and then normally what happens is I go back out onto the pitch and, and, and join the show to talk a little bit about the game that we've just seen. Uh, it takes a little while, so I go out onto the pitch, standing on the pitch at, uh, at, at at the Coliseum and Dan says, Dan's first question is, what time is it there, Sid? And I looked at my watch and I said, it's uh, about quarter to midnight. And he said can you really believe that I've kept you there until a quarter to midnight to talk about that terrible game? And then he says, <laughs> or was it one of those games that looked better in the stadium than it does on TV? And I said, no. And he said, OK, then bye. And that was the con- my full contribution to the postgame discussion. That was how bad this was. That they just were like, right, let's move on and talk about something less boring instead.
0: Wow. Good old Dan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it wasn't great it wasn't great it wasn't a spectacle but Real Madrid managed to, I mean Real Madrid were comfortably better than Getafe yeah, l- yeah, exactly. Un- unlike unlike the Barcelona game yeah, where, and- where Barca were hanging on you never felt Getafe were going to threaten Real Madrid here
1: no exactly and, and here's the things that, that- didn't get it to say on Saturday night I think there's one or two interesting <laughs> things um, one is Vinicius who was really enjoying himself uh, I think that I, I, I counted two nutmegs I think there might have been a third there's another one where I thought it looked like he went through a player but I'm not sure if he did there's two absolutely brilliant passes to the far post with the outside of his right foot Modric style bending one goes to Carver Howell. The other goes, I think, to Fede Valverde. There's this mm-hmm. moment when he flicks the ball over the head of Damian Suarez, which is really, really good, and he gets the ball. And then there's what the Spanish refer to as an elastica. I don't know what you call that in English. You know, where you kind of put the outside of the boot on the ball and then move it one way and then quickly bring it back the other. Um, yeah,
0: there is no word for that. In there English.
1: is no word for that. No. Okay. And he does that as well. And he was really enjoying himself. The other thing um, from a Real Madrid point of view is... Luka Modric is brilliant. Now, mm. I know everyone knows this. But in a game that not a huge amount is happening, in truth, he mm. does have a clarity, a speed of movement with the ball, actually a physical speed as well. He's in really good physical shape. He He's really, really a special player. I know everyone knows that, but I think it's worth adding. From a Getafe point of view, it was quite interesting um, listening to Kike Sanchez-Flores after the game mm-hmm. because I felt disappointed with Getafe in the sense that it felt to me like they had decided, look, if we're even in it in the last five minutes, then great. You know, mm. At no point will we take the risk to step forward. And then mm. with three or four minutes to go, they get a couple of corners. Uh, Damian goes looking for a penalty, which isn't a penalty in a million years, but he's in the area and he's trying to get a penalty. And and I thought it's kind of disappointing that they just had decided that, well, so long as it's only one, who knows, luck might favour us. Mm. Um, and then after the game, Kikacensha Flores basically said, yeah, that's what we were doing. And, and it was what I thought was interesting about it was that he talked about Real Madrid as the kind of team that, Essentially, that's what you have to do. He said they have so much variety. And he also talked, which I thought was very interesting, about their physical capacity. He said they're incredibly strong physically. So they're really, really quick. This is a team that flies. They are real athletes as well as being brilliant players. And he said, so you've got these old guys who should be the ones who aren't athletes and they can still move. And he Mm. says, you've got these young guys who are absolutely flying, And they should be the ones who maybe lack a little bit of power or calmness. And yet they've got that as well. He said, Mm -hmm. you look at this and and every now and again, I think you get a glimpse of this from people in football who will admit that there really is a gulf. You know, the, the, the gap is so big that actually there's a limit sometimes to what you can do. And his argument was essentially... We do that, we give ourselves half a chance by trying not to let them get far away from us. Because if they score early and then we step out and try and chase the game and we concede four or five, it's not just that we concede four or five this week, it's the damage it does for us next week and the week after and the week after that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was only 1-0 for... Uh, yeah, and that's for, what they'll cling attitude. to, obviously, at the end of it.
1: <laughs> the, the one <sighs> thing I cling to, by the way, is the return of, um, of Luis Mía, It was just really nice to see him finally get a start. He's only had 28 minutes all season. He got sent off. In those 28 minutes. Oh, yeah. and, and I actually thought he played really quite well in a midfield that had the added difficulty that both Maximović and Aaron Barry weren't weren't fully fit.
0: Uh, Real Madrid keeping the first clean sheet of the La Liga season, as we said, with André Lunin in goal. It's the first time he's ever kept a clean sheet playing for uh, Real Madrid in his uh, eighth it's, appearance. It's his first
1: win for them as well. he wow. never won yeah.
0: before. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, so uh, so there we go. Uh, André Lunin in between the sticks. He will be on Wednesday night, oh, I'm sorry, on Tuesday night against Shakhtar and he might be in the Clasico as well. It's touch and go with Thibaut Courtois. They're trying to tell us that it's that he will make it, but it's not guaranteed, put it like that. It's not guaranteed. Let's see what kind of shape uh, he's he's in. All right, uh, there's plenty of other stuff for uh, us to discuss because neither of those games were particularly brilliant. You were also at the Civitas Metropolitano to see Atletico Madrid beat Girona by 2 goals to 1. How good were Girona, Sydney, in that second half?
1: Very good. Actually, yeah. to be fair, they were very good. Um, for what it's worth, I don't think Atletico were. Um, what, good? Yeah. No, they were not. And, 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 you know, you were saying those first two, those other two games weren't good. This one wasn't. One of the things that I felt about this was that essentially it was a non-event. And I think mm. that's part of what encouraged Girona to go for them. Um, mm. So, Atletico score quite early. They then get gifted a second goal. Both goals scored by Correa. And it was almost as if they scored the first. It was like, well, that's it. We're kind of on course. It's all right. Let's just mm. kind of play a bit, and you know what happens will happen, and it will basically be all right. And then you go two 0 up, or they go two 0 up, and I think you think, well, we're definitely done now. Mm. And essentially, they almost didn't win it because at no point did they try and win it. And mm. and it was kind of weird to watch. Now I know that Atletico are like this quite often. You know that they're they're not always massively ambitious. They don't always really go for teams. But it was more for me the sense of, I mean, it was partly about the atmosphere in the stadium, I suppose, as well, but the sense of non So You get this quote from Diego Simeone after the game
0: mm-hmm.
1: in which he says, when you don't settle a game, when you don't put a game to bed, it creates panic. And I must admit, to be honest, I would have quite liked some panic because at least there would have been an emotion. There was there was, there was none. Um, and they, they conceived a goal to Raquel who looks like he's going to be a very good player, by the way. Uh, and then Oblak has to make two absolutely brilliant saves from shots from Alex uh, Garcia, and yet even then, it sort it kind of didn't create a reaction from Atletico. I was I was really struck by by kind of I don't know. I suppose how much of a non team they are at the moment it's, it's very strange.
0: There wasn't much there at all from Atletico Madrid. You are absolutely right. They sort of left you feeling, if, not indif- i don't know if indifference is the word, but yeah, just sort of feeling that there isn't really anything there. Antoine Griezmann started, and that is something that is going to be happening uh, regularly. They've sorted out his uh, situation. Yeah. He's got a contract now, and he doesn't have to come on in the sixty-third minute, bringing to an end what a, was really quite a bizarre period in, in Spanish football. So, so that's good at least. Yeah, and
1: he played—he played reasonably well in the time it was on the pitch. He provides a really lovely pass. For the first goal from from Correa, and mm-hmm. I think he will be he will be important. He went off on the sixty third minute this time, just to, yes, just to turn things upside
0: down. Yeah, just to sort of inv- sort of trolling us a little bit. I think know.
1: I think they are trolling us. Yes. <laughs> That's
0: really quite really quite strange. Uh, afterwards, Diego Simeone was asked about Angel Correa, and in his answer, was there a message to João Felix there?
1: I think you're right. It I felt think like right. it. He yeah. says he says um you know Correa he he gives you something all the time when he doesn't play he doesn't complain when he does play he 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 always performs he always gives everything he says he does his complaining on the pitch mm-hmm. and he deserves to be on the pitch more and he's never a problem for anyone and he thinks of it from the point of view of the team and he does all the work and you're thinking <laughs> This is like a, this is like a kind of a, 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 you've got a piece of paper and you've drawn a line down the middle of, you've got Correa written on one side and Jao Felix (laughs) on the other and you're going tick, tick, tick down the Correa side and you're going cross, cross, cross down the, down the Jao Felix side. And and I, I personally think that Atletico Madrid have a big problem with Jao Felix, a really big problem, not necessarily because Atletico do, but because I think Atletico with Simeone clearly do. Now that's not necessarily to say that Simeone's wrong or necessarily to say that he's right. But this situation does not feel like a good one.
0: And it's not a good one for João Felix in terms of getting any playing time. Because he is, he is way down the pecking order now in terms of forwards, I think, isn't he? I mean, you've got Griezmann, you've got Alvaro Morata, you've got Cunha, who's potentially ahead of him. You've got Angel Correa, who's potentially yeah. ahead of him as well.
1: I suppose the question is, how many forwards are they going to play with? Um, because obviously, depending on the construction of the team, he may have more or less opportunities. So you look at the weekend, for example, and you've got got both him and Morata on the bench. You think, that's a pretty good bench, to be fair. And and in a way, you sort of think, this should be a better team, and maybe you could argue those two should start. Looking at the way they set up at the weekend, it's a slightly strange formation. It's almost a 5-2-3, with Griezmann to the left of the forward, in this case it was Cunha, and with Correa to the right. In that formation, the most natural place, I suppose, would be Would it be to the left or to the right for Jal Felix? I think it's sort of to the right, but the left allows him the freedom to kind of drift inside, Mm -hmm. onto his right foot. Um, But I'm not sure that either of those roles completely does him a favour. I think he's almost better with a 4-4-2, and he's the second of the two strikers. And Atletico have played lots of different formations, and with this five at the back, in theory, the wing-backs are the ones who give you the width, which is why you can play sort of only two in the middle, because those two step into midfield, and Griezmann at least drops into midfield. But, yeah, it doesn't feel like a team in any way built for Jao Felix, does it?
0: In any way. feels quite extraordinary that they would reject a €130 million bid from Manchester United this summer for Jao Felix.
1: Yes, it feels almost almost unbelievable.
0: Almost unbelievable. (laughs) (laughs) Almost difficult to to believe that that actually happened. Uh, Atletico Madrid with a massive game also in the Champions League on Wednesday night. Goodness me. Come on, Spanish football. Don't let us down. They played Club Bruges. In, um, at the Civitas Metropolitano. Their situation is perhaps not quite as difficult as Barcelona's because there are three sides on, on three points in, in that particular group and they'll still have a chance even if they were to draw against Club Bruges. But yeah, they desperately need a win as well. So that's a that's a really, really big, big game. Uh, Sevilla won, Athletic one. The big talking point around this game, obviously being the return of Jorge Sampaoli and the impact that he seemed to have Almost emotional, as much as anything on the team. They came flying out of the blocks, and I was going to say literally flying out of the blocks, not literally flying out of the blocks, but they did, they did start very, very well. They I'd got quite like a football goal. team
1: to be allowed to set blocks on the pitch <laughs> like sprinters, and so, whoom!
0: And then fly <laughs> yeah. into the air. Yeah. Uh, that, that did not happen at the Ramon sanchez Big One, but they did score early on through Oliver Torres, and they did have the, crowd behind them again there was a roar there was positivity in the in the ranks that we hadn't seen or heard in recent weeks and then it just kind of petered out as it has been doing with Sevilla this season around about the 30 40 45 minute mark in games they tend to fall away I don't know about fall apart but certainly physically there seems to be something that isn't quite right there it's happened before it happened on Saturday and Athletic, he should probably have won this game.
1: Oh, they definitely should have won it, in my view. Um, they, they had the chance to it, the the late one for Iñaki Williams is the clearest of quite a quite a lot of them. Uh, Sampaoli said himself, didn't he, post-game, he said, look, by the end, getting all three points wouldn't have been fair.
0: I mean, Um, you love Iñaki, I love Iñaki. But but he should score that. (laughs) Hijo mio, Iñaki, ¿qué haces, tío? It's an unbelievably good chance. Yes, yes, he he should
1: score. Which... Obviously it's happened before, Ivanyaki. You know, we're we're talking about a forward who, who hasn't always been that clinical. I think has improved, but hasn't always been that clinical. Um but but Athletic created the chances to have won it and uh Ernesto Valverde said after the game, once we got the equaliser, I thought we were going to get the winner. I think everyone else did as well. That mm. said, there's a very, very good chance late on for Sevilla, which is ended by Andrea Herrera. Um yes producing a foul on the, on the edge of the area. Was it, was it Lamella it was on? I can't remember who it was on now.
0: It, it was, and it was one of the best fouls you've ever seen. I mean, yeah, it I mean, was he genuinely... Just, he
1: just kind of clips his ankle, just enough to t- knock him down. Enough, enough I thought, to maybe get away with it. <laughs> um, the referee gets out a red card, and I love Ander's response. Ander nods at him, gives him a sort of a you know a high handshake and walks off says, yeah, fair enough. I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to pretend no, I've been hard done by. It was, it
0: was pretty obvious what he was, was doing. It was again. absolutely knew exactly the right doing. decision, yeah. Because he stops a goal... He doesn't give away a penalty. Gives away a free kick on the edge of the area. He gets himself sent off, and they didn't score from that free kick. So yeah. yeah so I also... mean, it, it,
1: from his point of view, of course, it was um, it was a foul well spent. Um, mm. a, a suspension, obviously, for the next game, but a foul well spent. In terms of, of, of severe, and I, and I do think Athletic continues to look good. And I, what I like about Athletic is we. I think it's easy for us to be drawn into the cliches about athletic, you know, and the intensity and the, and the straight lines and the up and down and the speed and, and the sort of the directness. And actually, I think, although, although certainly Nico is a different type of player to that, but I think with both Iñaki and with Nico, because they're so quick, it's easy to double down on that mm. idea of them. Being, yeah. But they, if you look at them positionally, I think they're playing really well. They hmm. use the ball really well. The interchange is good. They keep possession much better than they did. They are, they are, a, I mean, I think they were a good side last year, but I think Valverde has definitely given them a twist and, and hmm. there's definitely something more to them now. Now, it, it may well have happened anyway, as, as you know, as, as Sanset starts to play more of a role and perhaps from deeper, as Nico starts to play more often, um, you know, it may well have happened anyway, Berenguer being, being perhaps a little bit more important. Um, but but I thought they were they were they were very impressive. In terms of Severe, there's something very interesting. You, you talked about the physical climb down, and, and, and personally, I watch them, and I would entirely agree with you. Sampoli seemed to, well, he didn't seem to. He explicitly said it's not about the physical condition. He says it's a footballing problem, not a physical one. You can have the intensity, but it needs to it needs to be channeled into the right kind of areas of the pitch. You have to run for the right reasons in the right places. He also said, you know, we also need to be that great Spanish word, contundente. what would you call that? Decisive, I suppose. You know, you get a chance this, you take it. You get a chance to clear the ball, you clear it. You get a chance to make a tackle, you make it. You know, you can't be half-hearted in anything. Everything has to be done effectively and with a decisiveness. Um, and actually, that's one of the things that Julian Lopetegui complained about. He referred to it as being a glass jaw. And I think what Sampaoli is talking about is broadly the same thing. Although, as I say, the fact that he's talking about footballing problems suggest that he wants to change the way they play, and actually, his lineup suggests that as well, doesn't it? Because he found a place for Papu and Disco, and I think for a lot of the season, we've been thinking it can't really be both of them. I think with Sam Pauli, he will try and make it so that it can be both of them. Yeah, I don't no. know if it'll work, to be honest, but I think that's I, what he'll try.
0: Yeah, I don't know if it's going to work. I don't. I can't see them running back. I mean, I can see them running forward. But I don't see them running yeah. back to help yeah. out that much. So I think I what
1: know. he'll do is he'll go 4-2-3-1, which is more or less what he was doing for yeah. the weekend. But yeah. I think he needs that two probably mm. to be a bit more static mm. to make sure there's always a six. Mm.
0: Uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see whether or not um, he's got the players he needs to play in, in, in the positions that, that he wants.
1: I mean, they're in the relegation zone, by the way. They're
0: literally in the relegation zone. Yeah, I was just about to say that. First time dropped, in 20 they're, years. They're, they're 18th. 18th in the table, Sevilla. After eight uh, after eight games, six points from a possible 24. It's 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 really really bad, and they need to start picking up points. We've basically written them off completely in the Champions League. They're going to Dortmund tomorrow. We've written them off. I think we off. have, haven't we? Yeah, I, think I mean, we have. I have, I have. I don't see any possible way that they get out of this Champions League group, and I think, no, yeah, I think that's right. understandable. They are five points behind Borussia Dortmund currently, so. Okay, if they were to go and win in Dortmund, and they've only won one of their ten competitive fixtures this season, but if they go and yeah. win in Dortmund, then maybe maybe they have half a chance. God, but one of I, ten. I've re- yeah. it's bad, man. It's bad, and, and and that was against Espanyol, and they were hanging on by the end as well. So yeah, um, that's uh, Sevilla then with uh, with Jorge San uh, at the helm. Sydney, you had a lovely lovely day trip on Sunday, didn't you? You went to the charming city of Zaragoza. I did. To watch the mighty Ray Loviedo at the fantastic Romareda Stadium.
1: Ah, the Romareda is fantastic. That's definitely true. The the game wasn't great. Obvious were we're actually okay in the second half. Um, but I think you know, part of the reason for that is that Thadagotha really aren't very good. And their fans ended the game calling for the manager's head. Uh they were they were a bit edgy for most of the match, actually, the, the Thadagotha fans. You kept feeling like they were, you know, one conceded goal away from the whistles and, and, and the and the basically not being very happy. And I was actually speaking to a Thadagotha fan afterwards and he he just said, Well, yeah, we're awful. Of course, yeah. I was like, because yeah. I, I said to me, like, I kind of felt like you lot were sort of ready to have a go. He said, oh, we, absolutely, we were ready to have a go. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, so you got a one-one draw there, uh, yeah. Olivier. The though elsewhere in the Segunda, Alaves are still top, but they were beaten three-nil at Burgos on Saturday. Burgos keeper Jose Antonio Caro has now broken the Spanish record for how long a goalkeeper has gone without conceding at the start of the season. Yeah, it's incredible, the do you unbelievable. Have, do you have record? the
1: number of minutes there? It's nine games, isn't it?
0: Yes, it's nine games. I don't have the number of minutes, but it's nine games, nine consecutive Well, I mean, they, they scored
1: three this weekend, which is hilarious, because they'd only scored two all season until then.
0: Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Segunda is crazy, by the way. Segunda Absolutely is a crazy. really
1: weird league. And, and it one, really is. And one that, I mean, it would be fun if you weren't desperately trying to get out of it. Yes, and one that you are <laughs> desperately trying to get out of. Uh,
0: Levante, by the way, they're down to 14th. They were beaten 1-0 at home by... Racing Santander as well so uh, there we go uh, this week as we said uh, we've got lots of European football Tuesday night Shakhtar Donetsk against Real Madrid and Borussia Dortmund against Sevilla then on Wednesday it's those two huge games here in Spain Atletico Madrid against uh, Club Bruges which is an early kickoff at the Civitas Metropolitano and then Barca against Inter at the Camp Now, are, are you going to the Metropolitano? I'm,
1: no because I'm going to Barcelona
0: you're going to Barcelona okay, well yeah. I'm going to the Metropolitano
1: oh, so between us we've
0: got you covered between us we've got you covered then on Thursday you got Betis against uh, Roma, uh, La Real against Sheriff Tiraspol and Austria-Vienna against Villarreal. If there's anything we haven't spoken about on today's podcast, you can send us a question and we will talk about it on the Q&A pod, which we will record tomorrow for patrons at patreon.com forward slash TSFP. Come and join us. There's lots of good content going on over there. And if you don't want to, okay, it's fine. Won't hold it against you. You can join us next Monday for the Monday pod as always. Adios, amigos. Cheerio.